good morning, everybody. Come on, find your seat quickly. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Say yes. Oh, you can do better than that. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Say yes. I got a little nervous. Tamika was preaching my message today. I was like, whoa, why am I here? We are in a series titled Made to Worship. Turn to that person next to you and say, you were made to worship. Tell them that. Turn to the person on the other side and say, you were made to worship. This is the second part in the three-part series, and uh, for sake of time, I'm going to dive straight in. If you weren't with us last week, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that teaching. We looked at this term worship in its original first mentioned state in the scriptures, and we found it, and that's called the law of first mention. When you're studying a concept or a theology or doctrine, if you will, of the scriptures, um, we use this term law of first mention to find it typically in its purest form. And we looked at it from the perspective of Abraham taking Isaac, his son, to go up on the mountain, if you will, to worship God, where God had asked Abraham to sacrifice his son to him. And we saw in that the pure essence of what worship really is, to give worth, to give worth. And we saw that in that process, we saw this this action. There's an action involved in worship. There is a trust factor. There's this supernatural if you will, giving of yourself to your God. And so we saw that in an everyday act of worship is what I wanted to present to you at first, what worship is. And then as we dive in today, I wanna just kind of point out a truth to you. I wanna take you real quick with me, if you'll go there in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13. And I wanna look at how Satan, Lucifer, the devil, is described in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, it says, you were in Eden, you were in the garden, the garden of God, every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. And then it says this, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. And so... There are different scholars that argue the point, but I am positioned from the place of those, many like me, that believe that as the King James lays out, that within Lucifer's workmanship were instruments. His body was an instrument. And um, after much study of scripture over the years, it's kind of clear to me that there are three to four archangels, if you will, chief angels. Um, Most of the time when angels are described in scripture, they don't have the little wings like the little cartoons from back in the day. Um, But the archangels seem to be those who maybe do have these magnificent, glorious wings. Um, They are overseeing large groups of people, large other groups of angels. Uh, Many believe there were three archangels um, and therefore a third were under Lucifer, and when he rose up against God, he took that third with him, or the third were under his oversight, and so they followed their commander, if you will, instead of following God, or whatever, however you want to present it. But at the end of the day, it's very clear that around the throne of God is night and day worship, the presence of the Lord. And it is believed by most of us as we study scripture that Satan was, if we could say it so boldly, the worship leader of heaven. From his body would come music. That timbrel is, a, is what would, would have been um, like a, a small drum 
uh, to keep the rhythm, to keep the rhythm. And then the pipes, as you know, you know, the, the, the instruments that are considered pipe instruments. So from his body, just his presence in the room would bring forth music and bring forth worship. And that's why I'm always cautious with people say, careful what you listen to. Careful the music. I, I get it, it's cool and all, but careful what you listen to because music it, it invokes things, does it not? It invokes emotion, it invokes passion, it invokes ideology. And the way that over the ancient years that they were able to pass down ideology is through music, through song. It's the way the Hebrews did it, and it's much what the book of Psalms is. And so uh, early on in the United States in Christendom, we would sing these hymns, and these hymns were us singing our doctrine. We would sing what we believed, and, and we would pass that on to our children and to new people coming to Christ, what we believed through the songs that we sang. It invokes emotion. It invokes passion. It ignites fire inside of us or causes us to be calm. And so as we jump in today, I want you to understand that when Lucifer lost his position, I believe, I believe that we replaced him as the worship leaders. I believe that we are the worshipers of earth, that worship comes up, up from this earth into the throne of God as his sons and daughters. I believe that's who we are. I believe we were made to do that. I believe that Satan lost that position, and we now hold that position as the worshipers of God. Are you with me? Say yes. And so with that being said, when you use the word worship and praise in our English language, we, it, it stirs up an, a, a thought process. What is it? How do we identify it? What is its actions? And unfortunately, our English language is very limited um, in reference to expressing, you know, the different, if you will, parts of worship. Um, we just use the word worship or praise. A, a lot like how we use love. Uh, I taught you before there are four Greek words for love. Uh, one is phileo love, like you love a friend. Uh, one is eros love, which is romantic, sexual love uh, that, you, uh, that you have with your spouse. Uh, and I taught you those four. It's the same thing with worship. Like, for example, with love, you, you know, I love my wife and I love Chinese food. We use the same word. Well, I don't love Chinese food. I, I better not love Chinese food the way I love my wife. Right? I mean, I'm not going to die for Chinese food, but I better be willing to die for my wife. Are you tracking with me? So even the way we lay, lay out that word. So in the term worship, and when we look back in the original Hebrew throughout the Old Testament, the, the Hebrews, the Jews, had, if you will, seven basic words that represented our English word worship or praise. And I want to bring you, and each of them have these different components to it. And I believe that many of us are limited in our understanding. What does it mean to worship? And so we do things because we saw someone else, or we don't do things because we don't know why that would be of value or what that would be appropriate. We have ideologies passed down from um, experiences that may actually be hindering our worship because we don't really know what worship is. So with that being said today, I want to take you through the seven Hebraic words of worship and praise, representing worship and praise, and I believe it's gonna help kind of open up your heart and mind and hopefully tool you, because the goal of this whole series is that you would take your rightful position as a worshiper, that you would be tooled to know how to worship your God and engage with your God, and my goal by the end of all of this is that you're closer to your God than you've ever been. Somebody say amen. I want you to have a real relationship with your God. I don't want you just to go to church and hear sermons. I don't want you to go and just sing songs. Those are all beautiful pieces. 
If you do all that and don't know your God, then what have we accomplished? And the reason why I'm so passionate about this, because I'm watching a group of people that grew up in the church that are now deconstructing their faith. If you deconstruct my faith, you're going to find Jesus at the baseline. I'm in love with him. All the, all the layers of my relationship with him are real and beautiful and wonderful. And there have been hardships and there have been wonderful times and there have been goodness in all these pieces. And at the end of the day, as I'm watching some of these people re- deconstruct their faith, I wonder had they ever really known God. And so that's why I don't want to raise you up having heard good messages and sang good songs and having nice little experiences in your church, but you never knew your God. So I'm giving you, if you will, the vehicle of really drawing close and knowing your God truly is worship. So with that being said, can we jump in? Are you ready? Say yes. Come on, are you really ready? Say yes. Write some of these down. The first Hebraic word that I want to point out to you in representing praise and worship is the word yada. Everybody say yada. Come on, say it again. Say yada. And this is a verb with a root meaning to lift the hands. To lift the hands. Now, I got saved in the church that you did not lift your hands. That would, been, um, that, that would have been considered uh, um, a hype. That would have been considered um, not reverent to throw up your hands. And that actually was a misunderstanding by that group of people, not understanding where worship came from. The, one of the original baseline engagement with God is yada, where they would throw up their hands in the Old Testament. They would lift up their hands. In fact, Psalms 107, 14 through 15, he led them from the darkness and shadow of death and snapped their chains. Oh, that these men would yada the Lord for his loving kindness and for all of his wonderful deeds. Oh, that men, oh, that men would yada, would that, that they would yada the Lord for his loving kindness. Oh, we used to sing this song in the 80s. Oh, that men would praise his name, would praise his name to the ends of the earth. That's where they stole it from, right there, out of that passage right there. Actually, we see this yada happening in Exodus chapter 17 where Moses has brought the children of Israel into this war with the Amalekites. The Amalekites have, have, have come against, you will, if you will, the Israelites. And Moses stood up as a spiritual leader, and he stood up and sought God and would praise God. And as the war was happening, as the battle was happening, he would have his hands lifted up. You're dying, God. God, you are good. You'll bring us through this, God. We will survive this because you take care of your people. And as he had his hands lifted, worshiping and praising God, the, the generals began to realize, as he, our spiritual leader, is doing that, we are winning the battle, and the Amalekites are, are losing. But then after a few hours, his arms would get tired. And so they came alongside of him and they propped his hands up because once he put his hands down they started losing come on that gets that may stir something inside of you when you throw those hands up and you say God I don't know how we're gonna get through this but I know you're the one who'll get me through and I'm looking at this battle going on but I will praise you and I'll declare you heavens and sometimes that's why I want you in small group life sometimes you got to get over and say hey can you hold that arm up a little bit and can you hold that arm up a little bit God you're gonna get me through because you are worthy of all praise glory and adoration friend this is yada this is what it looks like this is a form or a piece of worship in each and every one of our lives in fact yada it also has this other piece of desperate cry like a child who runs and throws up their hands to their dad help daddy mama there are times when i'm in my place with the lord 
And I just have to throw my hands up and say, God, I don't know how you're going to fix their marriage. I, I met with them, but I, I don't know, Jesus, only you. But I trust you. And I'm throwing myself into your arms, oh God, that you would supernaturally do a work in their life, in my life. And this whole process, it gives us this picture, if you will, of desperateness and trust. Throwing up my, I can't do it. See, as Americans, we think we can fix everything. Living in modern times, we don't need miracles. We have doctors. We have 401ks. We don't need miracles. And that's why people would ask me all the time. I traveled a lot overseas, saw lots of miracles. They would ask me, how come you think we see miracles outside of the United States? But we don't see really any anymore in the United States. And I would always tell them, because we don't need them. We figured out a way not to need God. We do it all in our own strength. But friend, I'm telling you, if you haven't been paying attention to where this old world's going and where this old United States seems to be heading, I have learned that this is my safe place. Oh, God, I will praise you in the midst of this thing. Yada, I will yada, my God, and let him know that I am totally surrendered. That brings me to the second Hebrew word, and I write this one down, and this is hallel. Everybody say hallel. And that means to boast, to brag, to rave about God, even to the point of appearing foolish. Hallel. Hello, he is the God. And in fact, it's where, we get, it's where we get our word hallelujah. In fact, do you know where the hallelujah comes from? It's hallel, hallel, which is praise, and Yahweh, hallelujah. And this Yahweh, if you don't know this, this term Yahweh was a personal, this is the personal name of God. The only people, it's not his formal name. It's the personal, it's knowing him face to face. It's, it's my personal relationship name. It's my love name for the God who loves me and knows me and I know him. Hallelujah. Yeah, Yahweh combined with Hael, and that is I will praise my best friend. I will praise the daddy who loves me and knows me intimately. I will give him the glory that I will brag on him. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you about back in the day. Let me tell you how I was on my way to hell, and he picked me up out of the miry clay, and he turned me around. Let me tell you, I was about to punch that dude in the face, and all of a sudden, the Lord touched me on, the back, on my little shoulder and said, don't do that. And friend, I'd be in jail right now had it not been for the Lord. Let me tell you, hallel, let me hallel him just a little bit and tell you where I family was headed. Let me tell you about all the men in my family who cheated on their wives. But let me tell you something. My God got a hold to me and he's changed my life. Let me brag on how he's delivered my mind from the perversion. Come on, are you with me? Say yes. Hallel. And we get that word. Hallelujah from that piece. I bring it in. Years ago, when we first started this church, we were much smaller and, and we didn't have very many uh, mature couples coming. Finally, we got one of these mature couples that they've been in Christendom a long time. I'll never forget, I was in the middle of preaching and we had rented a little, we rented the Methodist church up the road and it's the only place we could meet. We had the little pews and the little wood grain all over the place and it was real, you know, it was real sacred. And I'm in the middle of preaching like I preach and, uh, and all of a sudden from the back, this woman goes, hallelujah! And all the people kind of turned around. I kind of looked at her like, you all right? It kind of startled me, and I'm usually not startled by anything. Listen, I have preached in places where the goats are walking down through the front aisle. Mama's nursing two babies on the front row, so I can just go. But that one got me because it was like it wasn't even, I didn't say anything that she should have responded to. She just had her a hallelujah moment. And so it became more common and common. She'd just yell out, hallelujah. So finally, 
I said, I better sit down and find out what she's hallelujahing about. And she told me a story. She said, 30 years ago, she said, I was an accountant. And she said, and I worked at a downtown restaurant, big restaurant, big family-owned restaurant. And she said, and I would go in early, and I would get to work on the books before they opened up, you know, for lunch. And I'd work all morning. And usually, I unlocked the doors. So every now and then, the cleaning crew that would come in at the night was still there. And this particular morning, the cleaning crew was there. And I went in the back, and I was sitting up. And she said, the next thing I know, a gun was pointed in my face. And she said, they put me down on my knees, and they made me open the safe. Once I got the safe open, they put four bullets in my head. Assassination from the back of her head. And she said, and they, and they found me when they came in hours later. Brought me to the hospital. And she said, I want you to know, Pastor Adam. They couldn't get one of the bullets out. It's still, that metal still stuck in my head, but God resurrected me. And she says, so you know what? You're going to have to be just okay with it every now and then. I'm going to have to brag on him in the middle of services. Every now and then, I'm going to just have to shout out, hallelujah! I'm going to brag, and I don't care, Pastor. She said, I hope it don't bother you that I'm, I, I'm making a fool of myself, but I just got it every now and then. I'm going to just have to let him know how good he's been to because I shouldn't be here. I should be dead. Her little husband sitting next to her crying, saying, Pastor, I'm telling you, we, we can't get I know it was 30 years ago, and everywhere we go, we tell about the miracle, but we just can't stop praising him for how good he's been. Are you with me today? A hell, a hell kind of praise that says you're worthy of it, even if I don't understand it. Oh, God, this is the same thing that David did when he brought the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David. The presence of the Lord had been so far removed from the Israelites, and David finally fought enough wars and battles to bring them together and push back all of their enemies and establish them as a nation. And he got the Ark of the Covenant, and he was bringing it into the, into the city of David. And the Bible says that he danced like a crazy person. He hallelujah. And his wife saw it and said, oh, look how you have embarrassed yourself. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be cool. You're supposed to, you're supposed to be the leader of our nation. You're supposed to have a look of dignity about you. That's why you'll notice about me, I don't sit in the back. I don't sit, in, I sit on the front row. I worship whether you like me or not because I know what he's done for me. I know who he is. And I brag on him through my worship and through my praise. Are you tracking today? Say yes. Come on, are you tracking today? Say yes. Which brings me to the third, if you will, Hebrew word, and that is tehillah. Careful, Hispanic folks. No, 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 tehillah. All right, that's not, no. It's tehillah. It's a spontaneous song, a spontaneous praise song. Actually, the book of Psalms is actually in the Hebrew. We, we translate it songs, but in the Hebrew, the name of it is actually tehillah. Spontaneous. Just comes up from you. Can't, it, it may not even rhyme. You just start telling him how good he is. You start praising him and worshiping him, saying, God, you're wonderful. A Tehillah praise, a Tehillah type of worship. We see this in Exodus chapter 15, one of the first times that Tehillah is actually mentioned in Scripture, and that is the Hebrews are fleeing from the Egyptians. They have left, they have left Egypt. God has done the Ten Commandments, gotten them out, and God opens up the Red Sea, and they're walking on dry ground, which is some kind of crazy miracle, and scholars love to argue about it, and people, scientists say it can't happen, but they walked across a million-plus people 
walked across on dry ground. The Egyptians were so angry that they lost their slave workforce that they decided, we don't care if this God tries to kill us or not, we're going to go get them back. And Pharaoh and the whole army follows them. And all of us, can you imagine, you look back, and here come tens of hundreds of thousands of warriors, and you got grandma in tow, and you got your little donkey you're trying to get up, and you got two kids that you're trying to hold on to, and you're trying to walk through this thing and get to the other side, and the thing is opened up, and they come, they come chasing behind you, and just as the last person gets across what would have been the, the edge of the river or the, or, or, or the waterway, and all of a sudden, God shuts it back down on top of all of the Egyptians, and the entire powerful Egyptian army is destroyed in one moment by God's mighty hand. Their bodies are floating up from the bottom. Their horses are dead down in the water. Their chariots have, have sunk to the bottom of this waterway. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that Moses began to sing out a new song. Miriam began to sing out a new song. Go look at it in the book of Exodus. And she began to sing it. And Miriam is probably in her 90s. And she grabs a tambourine. And she grabs all the women. She said, come on, y'all. We're going to worship this God. And then we can say, he's good to us. He's good to us. I can't believe we're alive. Oh, God. It's a spontaneous, uh, if, if you will, this spontaneous thing that just comes, a tequila just comes up out of you. And friend, if you have not let God come up through you in a spontaneous love expression. You are missing out on what it is to engage with your God. I'm, there are times I'm riding in my car, and I'll get a text, and I'll just, woo, woo, you are good. And I'll just start making up words, songs. I just start singing to him and praising him. This is tehillah, if you will. This is this expression, Psalms 22 and 3. But you are holy, you who inhabit the Tehillah of Israel. Do you understand what that just said to us? He inhabits, he lives in the space. When you and I begin to be spontaneous and worship to him and just say, I love you, I bless you, I'll just start singing a Maverick City song. In the middle of the day, people are looking at me. I'm just singing, I just begin to worship him. And as I begin to do that, I can feel his presence come into that space. He inhabits the Tehillah of his people. It's when a song from your heart that doesn't even rhyme, doesn't even have to rhyme, but you just begin to sing out and declare out how good God is. Wow. A couple weeks ago, we showed up here for services. And as soon as we were about to go live with our, with our broadcast, with our streaming, with the service, the electricity went pow. I walk up as it's going out. And it was awesome to watch everybody in panic faith mode. Because that's what it was. What are we going to? God's goddess. What are we going to? God's goddess. So they were back and forth, right? When all of a sudden, they looked to me and they said, what do you want to do? I said, what do you all suggest? They said, let's have service in the foyer. I said, let's grab the chairs. So we grabbed the chairs. Spontaneous worship. We grabbed the chairs. We're like, what about sound system? There ain't no sound. There's nothing. Everything's dead. That we don't know what we're going to, we just, we're going to sing. We're going to worship God. And all of a sudden, we started worshiping and singing. People were walking in the front door like, what? And they just kind of said, and all of a sudden, after about two seconds of being in it, everybody in the room was like, yes. And can I tell you, every one of you came up to me and said, can we do that again? God was in the middle of that. We felt God. Like we hadn't felt him with all the instruments. Y'all started to look, people started like, do we need the instruments? Do we need the lights? I mean, that was where God was at. I was like, whoa, 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 said, uh, that what we had experienced was tequila. A spontaneous engagement, and he came right in the middle of that. So beautiful, so powerful. The next word is tada. 
It's a derivative of the first one, yada, tada, and it means a raising of the hands, thanking God for things that have not yet been received. <laughs> things that have not yet happened in God, the thing you believe in for. That, that, what that was, Tamika going around those bills saying, Lord, I thank you. You're going to pay for them. I thank you. I th I'm not going to live in fear of it. I prayed about it already. I've already asked for help, but now I'm going to praise you in advance. That's something supernatural. There's a Hebrew word for that. That's an expression of worship called tada. In Psalms 50 and 14, what I want from you is your true tada thanks. I want your promises fulfilled. You said you would serve me. You said if I got you out of jail that you would worship me all your days. I got you out of jail. What I want from you is your tada. I want those hands thrown up. I want you to expect great things from me in advance. I want you to worship me for what I'm doing. I'm working on your behalf already, and you don't even recognize it. You're so caught up in the problem of today that you don't know how to tada for what's coming. And I want you to tada for what's coming. I want your promises fulfilled. I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so I can rescue you and you can give me glory. Are you with me today? Say yes. It's a raising of the hand. Let me ask you something. Raise your hands if you've ever had some trouble in your life. Let me see anybody in this room. All right, raise your hands if you're in some present trouble in your life right now, some difficulties you're going through. Raise your hand if the person next to you looks like they're going through some troubles in their life. There you go. Raise your hand if the person next to you is your trouble. That No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. We all have troubles. We all have difficulties. And when you and I come to a place of ta-da, I will to die you. I will to die. I know, listen, I'm telling you right now, there are, there are some mature people in our church that every time they come, I know what they're going through. And I can hear Miss Donna Hart. I can watch little Miss Mimi, my mama, on the front row. I know what they're going through. And they still, woo, I will bless you at all times. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I know what they're going through, and I'm listening to them worship and out-sing everybody around them. You're like, man, they're always happy. No, what they are is they've learned to ta-da in the midst of the difficulty. It don't look good right now, but I know you're on your way because I trust you. I will praise you. I will sing over these circumstances. I will, I will choose to worship you in the midst of my fears, my anxieties, my problems. I have learned to Tada! This is my problem. Is that I know many of you. No one's ever taught you to tada. So then you're like, I just have to be real. I just got to be real. So when I'm going through something, everybody gonna know about. It. Yeah, we know. We know. Because your resting butt face ticks us all off. I mean, it's just frustrating. I'd like you to mature a little bit, where you learn how to tada in the midst of your difficulty and say, He's good. Oh, he's good. Ooh, He's good. Because I remember what He did in the past. And I know who he is, and you can if you deconstruct my faith, you're going to find me still worshiping him because he's still good even when I don't feel it, even when it doesn't look like it. I will praise him in advance because he is God. See, people who refuse to worship and praise, had, to me, have identified a truth, and that is he's not really God. They're still God. I, he's my Lord, not this government, not my education. Not my physical ability to bring in resources for my family, not my intellect, not my personality. The God that I serve is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is worthy of every bit of my homage, my praise, my adoration. I am surrendered to him. Whatever he wants to do, I'm there. Let's go. This is the reason why people struggle to worship because they've never truly given themselves.
to his lordship. They, I mean, a lot of people, they're in that first phase. I just don't want to go to hell. Great. That's the first premise maybe for many people to come into a relationship with Jesus. But I, don't, I didn't just marry my wife so that I can make babies. That, that, that beautiful, sweet spot of marriage has to extend to I'm committed to her in good times and bad times. I'm, I'm going to walk this thing through when she makes me mad and I make her mad. And there's this developing of a relationship with your God where you come to the place like I came to you because I wanted something. But now I'm surrendering to the fact that you are everything I want, everything I need. And so you are my Lord and I'll do whatever you say, even if I don't like what the Bible tells me to do. This is the problem. And this is why there's so many people who, quote, are Christians, but they've never let him be the Lord of their life. So they will not surrender to what his word says. Actually, what they'll do is they'll rework it to fit cultural norms. And that's where our problem's at. And this is what I'm trying to help you do. Once you come to the place, Lord, I tadah you, I will worship you in the midst of difficulty. You better learn to do this. <clears throat> this whole world's not getting easier. <clears throat> you think you're going to have less stress going forward? You better learn to tadah in the midst of your stress. That's what I've learned to do. That's why I'm always smiling. It's a choice I make to trust that he's got it all figured out. And like the Hebrew boy said, and if he doesn't take me out of this fire, if he doesn't save me, I'm still going to worship him. I know my God will deliver me out of this fire, but if he doesn't, I'm still going to worry. He's still God. That brings me to the next, number five. You still with me? Say yes. And this fifth Hebrew word for worship and praise in our English language, the fifth Hebrew word is zamar. Everybody say zamar. Now, zamar is a harmonic praise with the use of instruments. Again, the church we got saved in believed that instruments were of the devil. I don't know how they got there, but it's a misappropriation of the scriptures. Because God's people, he gave them. He gave them the permission, the, desire, the want, the need to worship him with instruments. In fact, we see, like I said, back to Lucifer, in his body, I believe, were these instruments playing forth the sound. And, it, and what happens is when, and I've taught you this about, about unity, I've taught you this about the word symphono or symphonia, which is, our, which is the Greek word for together, and the Bible says, where we come together in anything we ask, it shall be done. But we have to come into, into some phono. So many times what happens is when someone has a need or someone has a concern or someone has a, has a point to make, we stand and go, I don't know if I really, I don't really agree with that. I mean, I, yeah, I like you and I'll, I'll nod, but I don't really come into agreement. There are things that happen in my daily life with my family, with this church, with ministry, that I have to stop and go, you know, I don't really want to do that, but I'm going to come into agreement. Because in agreement, something supernatural is going to happen. Well, music doesn't work without symphono, without harmony, and without it coming together. You, you know what it is to have a bad note being played. And you're like, ugh. And so that's why David told him, play skillfully upon the instruments. We're going to create an atmosphere. We're going to create this harmonic space. And you know the power of music, like we already mentioned. The power of music to calm, the power to excite, the, the, this, this thing that I don't understand it all, but I just know that God has put it in the earth. And you and I, when we zamar, we're bringing forth that music, that music and, the, and, the, and the instruments, and we come into harmony with our praise to God, and something supernatural happens about it. In fact, Revelation chapter 5 and Revelation chapter 14, John says, I saw them playing the instruments. And he said, and I heard... He said, I heard 10,000 times, 10,000s and thousands upon thousands of angels singing in perfect harmony as with one voice. 
He saw. He saw into the heavenlies and saw what happens in heaven. <clears throat> Years ago, we were at a conference in Florida. It was a real desperate time in a lot of the people who were at the conference life as ministers. And we all began to worship, and the music was playing, and we were just there. We were in worship when all of a sudden, I, 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 you know, I was a younger guy. I was a youth minister at the time. And so I started hearing these octaves above us. And so I started looking around, and I realized no one else was looking around. And I'm already ADDDDHDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDD
You need to get yourself, when you're being tormented with anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, unbelief, get yourself in the presence of the Lord with some worship going on and put yourself in unity with that and say, I will worship him. And I promise you, uh, those instruments are playing. That's why, that's why I tell all the small groups, hey, as often as you can, get somebody to come lead some worship for you guys in that living room. Some of the most powerful moments I've ever had of God healing me, uh, delivering me, setting me free from anxiety is being in a small group in somebody's living room just worshiping. And the presence, as we all, and not even having good instruments and just doing our best to sing out. In fact, what's so cool about this, this place where David played this music, we actually have found the score to it. We've actually found the music from 3,000 years ago and actually has been put to more modern day music and it is powerful. In fact, I'd like to play a clip of it for you right now. Play that for him. All right, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I was just picking. Anybody who's new to Christianity, I was just messing. That is not the, uh, we don't have the score from that day. Brings me to number six, Hebrew word. That was funny. You got to admit, that was the funniest thing. All right, number six, and that is, uh, the sixth word is Barak. Come on, everybody say Barak. Yeah, there you go. Some of your favorite president right there, Barak. And it means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration. Do you see what's being laid out here? We just say praise and worship. We're going to worship God, we're going to praise him. We don't even have a concept of the beauty and the different aspects. Barack, when you get down on your knees and you say, God, I love you. I love you. You are actually given a Barack worship. A, a, a worship a worship of humility, a worship of adoration of I love you or the love of my life. We see this in the book of Daniel uh, when Daniel opens up his windows and every day, three times a day, he gets down on his knees and he worships God. He worships God. This is a businessman. This is actually, he's operating probably, if you would, as like a vice president of the nation. And all the guys who want to take him out can you imagine the pressure of knowing that everyone's watching, looking for you to slip up so they can get your job? And that's what's happening in this, in this scenario in the scriptures. And Daniel keeps getting on this. And so they come together and say, we can't find any lack of integrity in his work. He comes to work on time. He doesn't cheat the clock. He doesn't steal the money. The only way we're going to be able to get him if it's something to do with his God. And so they begin to put spies on him and watch him. And they, they begin to, you know, you know, Work a little video, you know, from outside of his house and following, you know, follow his, follow him on his camel back and forth, see where he goes. And they found that every day, three times a day, he got down on his knees, opened up his window, and he cried out to his God and worshipped him. They said it's going to have to be something like that. So they got the king to agree that the king was a god and that no other gods could be worshipped. And then Daniel said, well, oh well, because I know the God I serve. And he got down on his knees still, and so they brought accusation against him. Y'all know what God did. God saved him. Because he worshiped the Lord his God. We also see it at the same place. We see it with Jeremiah. When Jeremiah was facing uh, you know, imminent danger and he got down on his knees in 1 Kings 18 and he got down on his knees. He says he put his head between his knees. There's something supernatural when your heart is elevated over your head. When God can speak to our heart, get our head out the way and all of our intellect it's a position of bowing down and loving God and saying, Lord, you and you alone, you and you alone 
control my life. You and you alone do I give myself completely. Psalms 95 and 6, come let us barak. Come let us barak. Come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. It's an understanding that you are my maker. You fashioned me in my mother's womb. I love you and you alone, oh God, are the center of my being, the desire of my heart. Friend, can I tell you something? We have lacked our position of worship. I'm telling you, we have, we have given it over to other things and it is time. You were made to worship your God. You were made to engage with your God. And I'm telling you, when you're in a place of humility on your knees, crying out to your God, he's gonna speak to you. He's gonna touch you. He's gonna deliver you. Because why? Because he loves you and he inhabits the praises of his people. He lives in that space. Which brings me to the last one. And the last one, number seven, Hebrew word for praise and worship, and that is Shabbat, Shabbat. And that means to shout, to address in a loud tone. And I know all you white people came from little churches where you weren't real comfortable with that. But before there ever was black and Hispanic folks who knew how to shout, there were God's people, the Jews, who understood that there is a shout of praise that he deserves. There is a shout a praise, it is a, to command, to triumph. It's that we are winning. It is a praise that my, my God, my daddy is winning the battle. My daddy is in charge. No matter what happens, I shout a praise to him because he is already over. It's a holy roar. Psalms 47.1 says it like this. Clap your hands, all your nations. Shabbat to God with cries of joy. Shout to God with Christ. If you've never shouted his victory over your situation, friend, you don't know the aspect of worship that will bring liberation and deliverance to you when you say, you know what? I may not know what's happening here. I may not know how to get over it, but he's good. God is good. His victory over my enemies. I stand and I watch as the king of glory brings forth victory in the midst of the battle. A shout of praise. You'll see me every now and then. I just start shouting. You're like, ooh, pastor's having a day. I think it's almost 10 years ago now. You guys know I'm from Louisiana. And since I was a child, my favorite football team has been the Cowboys because the Saints were so bad that it, as a child, and the Cowboys had the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders as a kid, not safe. Very motivated. And in my state where I'm from, in the era that, I was old enough to understand football and be motivated by football. We all wore bags on our heads because of how bad the Saints were. We were that embarrassed of them. Well, 10 years ago, God sent the Saints to Jew Breeze. And the Saints won the Super Bowl. Well, I have a friend who uh, still pastors in Louisiana, a close friend of mine. His name's Greg, Greg Beatty, great church. And Greg is, um, he's a man's man, he's a hunter, his church is, you know, kind of more on the outskirts, and, and uh, most every man in his church hunts and kills things, and, you know, have boats, and, you know, they dip and chew and whatever else they do, you know, kind of thing. And, and, so, uh, and so, Greg was keeping me up to speed as we were making our way, the Saints were making their way to the Super Bowl, and, and Greg told me stories, he said, you know, we get there to that moment, and he goes... He goes, uh, it's the playoff game before the Super Bowl. If we win that, we get to go to the Super Bowl. 
And he goes and he says, you know, Pastor, I was there, you know, and I'd gotten tickets. Somebody in the church with money got me some tickets, and I was there. And he goes, and we won that playoff game to make it to the Super Bowl. He said, you could not, they wouldn't stop shouting. He said, for 30 minutes, they would not stop shouting. He said, I was shouting, I was losing my mind. He said, and we've been there for hours. Nobody would leave their seat to miss a moment of, of it because we, we hadn't been to the Super Bowl in, I think it was 40 years or something like that. And he said, and so, he said, so finally, everyone's still shouting. The game's been over 20, 30 minutes. He says, but I can't take anymore. I got to go to the bathroom. So I go in the bathroom. Have you ever been to a stadium bathroom? That is a nasty place. Let me just say it to you. He goes, I go in there and it's packed. He said, you got all these drunk Cajuns and they're shouting while they're going to the bathroom. And he goes, so I, he said, but I'm in it. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, and finally he goes, I go to wash my hands and this guy comes over to me. And he puts his arm around me. Now, my, my friend Greg, he don't do that. Like, don't touch me in the bathroom. Other dudes, you know, keep your distance kind of thing. That's just the kind of guy he is. And he goes, and the guy looks at me and he said, he said, my daddy died five years ago. He said to me on his deathbed, he said, son, keep the season tickets. Because one day the Saints will go to the Super Bowl. And he looked at my friend Gray, and he goes, and today is that day. And he said, he looked up into the heavens, and he goes, Daddy, we going to the Super Bowl. And my friend Greg said, yeah, and he grabs him, and they're hugging each other in the bathroom. Because a hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when breakthrough comes, come on now. <laughs> You can't help but shout and say, God, you're good. I've been waiting on this miracle for so long. Oh, God, I will Shabbat you. I will Shabbat before you. Blessed be the name of the Lord who reigns and rules in majesty. The Clap your hands, all you people. Shabbat to God with cries of joy. I've laid out for you today. Seven types. Maybe you could call them expressions of worship. Maybe you could call them positions of worship. I don't know what you want to call them. All I know is the ancient ones knew how to worship. They knew their rightful position. And I believe the modern church, we sing songs, we write songs, and we make money off of songs. But I wonder how much we, the believer, understands that our position is vacant because we don't know how to step in. Be what we were called to be, the worshipers of our people. You are the worship leader of your home. You are the worship leader of your life. You are the worship leader of this old planet. You are God's sons and daughters. Give him praise, O you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Bow low before him and declare his goodness. Stand in your rightful position and throw your hands up and say to him, Ta-da! I don't know when it's coming. I don't know how it's coming, but I know it's on its way. Throw your hands up and say, God, in the midst of yada, in the midst of all of this mess, in the midst of all this, I will not lose my faith. I will not give up on you, oh God. You are the living God. I throw my hands up. Hey, I'm having a hard time throwing my hands up. Come beside me, bro. Get that on. Hey, come beside me. Get that on. He is good, and he will win every battle because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, stand with me today. Come on, stand with me. Stand with me. I don't know what the enemy's been doing to you. I know what he's been doing to our family. We've had a couple weeks. And let me tell you what I've been doing. I've been shouting my praise over his plans. 
I've been throwing up my hands, declaring that God, my God, will not just supply all my needs, but my God will bring forth victory. For I'm his son. You're his family. You're his children. Won't you throw your hands up for just a moment wherever you're at in a yada type of worship? Surrender. I know that may be awkward. The first time I went to a church that did that threw me way off because I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know God. I didn't know how to engage with him. Jesus, I just thank you right now. Lord, we step into our rightful positions as believers. Lord, we step into our rightful place as the sons and daughters of God. We step into our rightful position, Lord God, as the worship leaders of earth. And we declare your goodness in the earth. We praise you, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You picked us up. You pulled us. Some of us should be in prison right now. You brought us out. Some of us should be broke. Some of us shouldn't be married. Some of us shouldn't even be alive. But you, oh God, you, oh God, you ordered our steps of right. Some of us should not be working the job we're working, should not have the income we're having, should not have the friends that we have. But you, oh God, have been good to your people. You have been good to your sons and daughters. And we refuse to be found silent on the earth. We refuse to be consumed with ourselves. We lift up our heads. We lift up our eyes. And we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord my God, who always, always triumphs over wickedness, over destruction. Blessed is the one who called me out and set me apart and marked me with his stamp of approval. Blessed be the one who looks at me in my brokenness and calls me a son. Blessed is the one who takes my sins and casts them as far as the east is to the west. Blessed is the one who stomps out all the stress and all the pain and all the suffering in his goodness. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be upon my lips. I will bless you, O God. I will bless you. I will bless you. Never again will I come into corporate worship and stand in judgment of what I don't understand. I will worship you everywhere I'm at. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I want to give a call for a moment. If you just keep in an attitude of worship with me. Maybe you found yourself in this place today and you say, Pastor, i got to be honest. What you said today is magnificent. I, I feel it. I sense it. I know it to be true. But i got to be honest, Pastor. I, I'm not right with God. I'm just not right with Him. I don't have a relationship. You talk about a relationship. I know church, but I don't know God. There's preachers like that, by the way. But you say, you know what? Today's got to be a day of change. I need God in my life. I need to surrender myself. I need to make Him the Lord of my life. I say this every Sunday. The Bible's real clear. You'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God, that he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will accept you. Just by way of confession, of repentance, repenting of your sins, saying, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. He says, ah, yeah, 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 that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Then he takes you in as a son or daughter, and he begins to clean you and fix you. And And sometimes it takes weeks, months, years, but it's a process that's beautiful because you're in the palm of his hand never lets you go so today with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're not a Christian or you've walked away from God and you want to come home then I'd like to pray with you I don't want to embarrass you 
this is deep, this is private, this is eternal, but I'm asking you, would you make a decision? Would you make a decision with me to repent of your sins? Would you let me lead you in a prayer, a confession of your faith, declaring Jesus as your Lord, walking away from the old wicked ways of, your, of the life you've lived? If you say, Pastor, it's time, I'm ready. Pastor, pray with me, lead me in a prayer of repentance. If that's you with no one looking around, would you just lift your hand up so I know who I'm praying with? Yes, sir. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I've been there, right there where you're at. This is your moment. Don't pass it by. Remember, indecision is a decision. Ah, wait, I'll do something later. No, you won't. This is your moment. God's moving on your heart. Respond quickly. Give you two more seconds. Pastor, pray with me. I'm ready. I want God in my life. You can put your hands down. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a confession of your faith in God. I want you to mean it from the depths of your heart. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray alongside of you. Out loud, I want you to repeat these words. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. And I recognize I've sinned against you. But here and now, I repent. Turn from my sin. Change my mind. I don't want it. I want you, Jesus. And I ask you now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that my name is in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray right now. Peace. Like ripples through the heavens. All that stress and worry is gone right now. I declare it so. As they've surrendered, as they've bowed their heart low and said, I need you, God. I repent. I've sinned against you and I don't want that anymore. Lord, I thank you. You heard their cry of repentance and they are forgiven. And you're washing them clean. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord God, bring alongside of them some good Christian friends, some folks that they can talk with and walk this thing beside, Lord God. We all need each other. God, I ask you right now, Lord, that you, Lord God, would invade the space that the enemy has controlled in times past. So I declare every bit of addiction, go in Jesus' name. Invade the space, oh God, every bit of hatred, go in Jesus' name. Let Jesus have that space, sir. Let him have it. Let her go. Let the ex go. You got to let her go. You let that, what she did wrong, let it go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you. Thank you for bringing peace about providing for a family. There's a couple men in here. You're really carrying that right now. <clears throat> You're anxious, full of anxiety about how we're going to do this. God's got you. Back to this message today. It's time to start praising, start worshiping, putting your faith back in Him through this engagement of worship you'll find confidence in him thank you daddy thank you daddy we call these things so in Jesus name now as we go to close out today if you need ministry for anything I've asked some of our our ministry leaders to be available for you they're going to pray lay hands on you if you made a decision for Christ we have a little Bible we'd like to give you all you have to do is come forward here let them know hey I made a decision for Christ let them pray with you they've got a little gift for you I don't want this message during this series to just be a fun little message. Heard a guy say it like this. One of the worst questions we ask is, how was worship today? As though someone needs to perform for us. He said the best question was, how was your worship today? How did you engage with your God today? I think that's the right question. And so as we go to leave today, I want you to know I'm so proud of you. I love you so much, Jamie, and I pray for you every day. We fast for you every week. You knowing your God is what this is all about. So take these tools, these truths, 
and let this week make some decisions tonight before you go to bed. Go, go back in your back room somewhere. Throw your hands up again to worship to God. Get down on your knees. Tell him he's good. Yeah. Throw out a Barak for him. Get down on those knees. Get that Zamar, that shout of victory over that thing that's been tormenting you. That shout of victory. You'll find me. I'll shout over there. You will not have us. My God will overtake you. I shout victory over you even though I don't see the victory. He had them march around that wall and then shout a shout of victory. And those walls came down. These are truths that you can mature into. And I'm believing that for you. As you go to leave today, turn to that person next to you. Look them in their eye. Say, I believe in you. God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great week. If you need ministry, we're up front. We'll see you next Sunday, same time. Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today. And I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469 606 2684 and uh, we want to respond and again just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with jesus don't forget next week we are here again same place same time nine o'clock and eleven and until then we hope you have an amazing week